The A5 Dis team has created a podcast to empower you, the learners we serve. This podcast features conversations that illuminate the topics that are important to you. It is our hope that you will walk away with new tips, tricks, and ideas to inspire you as a whole educator. And you're listening to iTalks. It's the podcast with illuminating conversations that empower the learners we serve. In today's episode, we want to equip you with ideas and tools to help you work smarter, not harder. Let's meet your DIS team. I'm Melissa Looney, and I serve Whitehall, New Prospect, and Concord Elementary Schools. I'm Anna Baldwin. I'm Director of eLearning and Integration for Anderson School District 5. I'm Sherry Ritchie, and I serve McLeese Elementary School, Homeland Park, and Concord. I'm Danae Acker, and I serve T.L. Hannah High School and Westside High School. I'm Adam Cobb, and I serve Varennes Elementary, Nevin Forest Elementary, and Concord Elementary. I'm Jennifer Burdett, and I serve Robert Anderson Middle School and Southwood Middle School. Brandon, and I serve McCants Middle School and Southwood Middle School. I'm Ashley Persley and I serve Glenview Middle School and Southwood Middle School. And I'm Erin Darnell and I serve Centerville, Midway, and Concord Elementary Schools. This time of year, teacher burnout is a thing and we want to move into a conversation today to help our teachers. There are so many tools within the Google Workspace that can help us out. So what are some neat tips and tricks that we can share with our teachers to make their classrooms run more efficiently. Melissa, what's an idea that you have? Yeah, so I just recently um, had a teacher contact me and ask how she can make her teaching instruction available to parents at home without spending hours upon hours of time or even having to record her class because we all know that behavior comes up or issues arise and we don't necessarily want to just record what we're doing in class and pushing it out to our families. However, we do want to make the teaching strategies that we're using in class accessible to parents at home so that they can reinforce or we all hear that phrase of, I don't know, I don't know this new math. Well, it's not really new math. We just have a more focused approach to conceptual knowledge. So she is recording herself her mini lessons in Google Meet. So that is our Google Workspace product. And we all are familiar with how Google Meet works. Uh, She is presenting her screen, but using her document camera instead of a slides presentation because this is more math focused. So she is working through the problems and being able to show the process through the document camera, but the parents can still see her face in that little square to the right. She will download that Google Meet, and then she's going to actually create a YouTube station, a YouTube channel, and will upload all of those videos so that the parents can follow the YouTube channel. We know that everybody's familiar with YouTube, so she's going to tap into that platform, which is also a Google Workspace product, and make those videos available so that her parents can use it not just for helping their children on a nightly basis with any work that might come home. But when it comes time for standardized testing and reviewing, they can pull up those videos and help 
reinforce and review with their child at home. I think this is a great idea. And it actually reminds me in our previous podcast with Joe and Danessa Barr, they were talking about, you know, balancing those responsibilities. And Danessa was like, I got homework. And Joe said that he had PTSD from trying to do math because he was required to show what he, like how he solved it and how he was able to work it out. And I think this is awesome that that teacher is doing that because now it can equip parents who who feel like Joe that they can't help their children because they really don't know what the teacher's expecting. So I think that's awesome. A lot of teachers are already recording their Google Meets and they're posting it to their Google Classrooms. And what that's doing is that's providing access for the students. But by taking it a step further and making one extra tweak, we're now giving access to our parents using a public uh, YouTube channel. Absolutely. And, you know, we always consider the inactivity from our parents that, oh, they don't they don't want to help. And, and sometimes that's the case. But in many situations, it's that they don't know how. And so if we provide them those resources and the tools to where, hey, you don't have to do the teaching. I'm still doing the teaching. Here's how you can reinforce it at home. And then maybe we can get some more involvement there as well. They just, they don't see lesson plans. We don't post our lesson plans. And even if we do, the verbiage is not really parent friendly. But just making that video available to them, I think she's going to start seeing a lot of activity and using that as a resource at home. There's another Google Space tool that we can use that can help us stay organized and plan and also help our students with due dates and things that are coming up and even our parents. And we can use Google Calendar as that tool to help us stay organized. When a Google Classroom is created, it automatically creates a folder in Drive, but it also, whenever you add due dates or you add any kind of date to an assignment within Google Classroom, it adds it to your student's calendar automatically because they are part of that classroom. With teachers using due dates and putting dates in Google Classroom and students using their calendar, they can keep up with assignments when it's due and it can help them organize what they need to work on before it comes up. And another feature in Google Classroom that I think is great to just help your students and your parents stay more organized because I think Melissa hit on it. It's not that the parents don't want to try, it's they're not, they don't know how to use the tool or they're not as familiar with students. So one thing is using those topics inside of Google Classroom to organize your information. I know we just got out of a time of e-learning. Thankfully here in the South, we got some snow, but it kind of threw parents and students and even some teachers for a loop. And one of the questions that I got asked was, amongst all the announcements, amongst all the posts and things that went on in the stream, students couldn't find the e-learning work that I posted. And that's true in the classroom too. You may post some notes or something that they can't find. Utilize those topics as you're creating those assignments. They're in the same place where you can put those due dates as Danae was talking about for the calendar, but assign those topics, whether they're for a unit of study or just a simple e-learning lesson. Develop those topics so that they're easy to find for your students. And then when the students are going home and utilizing the Google Workspace and Google Classroom, they can find them too. I was in a teacher's classroom at the beginning of the year, and he was talking about how he organizes his Google Classrooms. And the analogy that he made, I just chuckled to myself. He was talking about the difference between the Google Classroom Stream and the Google Classroom Classwork tab. And he said he uses the stream 
like you would if you were posting on social media. So like just those quick reminders, those announcements, that information, but then the bulk of the assignments when you're looking for something to do, that's going to be posted in the classwork. And if you enjoy reading, a great book to check out is by Matt Miller, Do More with Google Classroom. And he's got all of these tips and tricks of how to organize your Google Classroom to make it efficient and to help save you time. And a lot of things about the Google Workspace is that it's automatic. There's some automation to it. It does a lot of work for you. And one of the ways that teachers can save time is Google Forms. Sherry, talk to us about how you've seen teachers using Google Forms in the classroom and how it's improved their grading processes and their assessments. Yes, one way that teachers can quickly automate things in their classroom is through Google Forms. And Google Forms can be something simple and teachers can use it as an exit ticket just to check for understanding. Google Forms can be a quiz and the teachers can see the results immediately so they can uh, give feedback and know if they need to revisit the lesson quickly. Google Forms can also be used as an interactive worksheet basically or um, take students to spots that offer help with something they're struggling with based on what answer they choose. So there's lots of uses for Google Forms to just automate things and make things easier for you. Google Forms now has the option for teachers to embed videos with, within the questions. It takes it to another level of interactivity. I really like how Sherry said, you know, you can use Google Forms as a quick exit ticket, which addresses your tier one instruction uh, for MTSS, your evalu quick evaluation, how did your students get the lesson? Well, then you can take Google Forms for the next part of, all right, I've got this student who doesn't understand this content. I'm going to do a little bit of mini reteaching through a mini lesson, but then I'm going to set up this Google form that has some additional instructional videos. Um, maybe I can chunk it and make the steps, break down the steps a little bit more so that as they are viewing the process, they also can be answering the questions throughout that process. So a short little video, and then they answer a portion of the problem, and then they can build on that all the way down. It helps the teacher see and break down where is it that the student truly is struggling. Maybe it's not an overall struggle. It's just they can, we can pinpoint it right here. If they got to step two, oh, now I see exactly where they made a mistake. And Google Forms can actually help do that. And talking about features that Google Forms has now, they have Moat where teachers can record themselves. And so I already know of a teacher that is using this for maybe her ESOL students or some of her other students that need those extra layers of support so that the questions are read to to them and then they are able to answer it and take the, the quiz just like everybody else. So it's another it's another great way of, of having those strategies to support those students as well. And when we're talking about working smarter and not harder, let's talk about who's doing the work. Is it the teacher doing all the work or are you allowing your students to take some ownership in that? And so one way that you can use Google Forms where students can create is have them create a test. Have them come up with the questions and go in Google Forms and actually create a quiz or a test and they give it to each other. They can collaborate and share the quiz with each other. So that way, maybe that's the review. And as the teacher, you could even pull some of those questions 
from the Google form to create the actual assessment. So we can also use, um, use Google Forms for students to actually create things as well. Another way you can use Google Forms in the classroom is if you have any kind of voting that needs to take place in your classroom. Some of the teachers at middle school level have used it for voting for art contest, um, have used it for voting for writing contests, like if you have a classroom contest, see who has the best short story. That is very easy and it's secret ballot, so nobody knows who voted for each other, and that works great. And Beth, I think you bring up a good point that a lot of the times Google Forms is looked at as an assessment tool now, especially since it's got that quiz feature involved. But again, as Danae has already said and reiterated, is that we're talking about working smarter, not harder. And by doing so, we're eliminating some of those little small mundane tasks that take up a lot of time, and you'll find in our Innovator magazine this month on doing what you love. In the download section, we talk about a few of those things and reinventing some of those things that take up and eat some of your time. And one of those is not just using it for voting, but also using Google Forms to take attendance because the, re the results or the data is time stamped right into a Google Sheet. But then also using it for my elementary teachers for lunch count. Being able to do that, like Danae said, takes the work away from the teacher who's spending time at the board doing a checklist or counting magnets or popsicle sticks or whatever. It's all automated for you. You can sort the data if you're familiar with Google Sheets. So Google Forms does take a lot of those mundane, little tedious tasks that were assigned in homeroom or at the first part of our morning and eliminates all the work that the teacher has to do with it. Sherry, I think you mentioned <coughs> another way that Google Forms can be used in terms of students doing the work as well. Yes, one way I've seen Google Forms used that students really enjoyed was the, you know, the old-timey books that were like a choose-your-own-adventure book. So you'd have a story, and based on what the character chooses, you turn to a certain page. Well, you could do that kind of activity, but use a Google Form. So have a scenario, and you can have, you know, the, the kids decide, okay, if, the, if you're going to go into the cave click here and then it takes you to another part of the story or if they're going to run into the house it takes you to another part of the story and um, teachers can incorporate things like that whether they're doing you know any subject ELA, social studies, science, everything. By doing that you're bringing in those literacy skills cross-curricularly and that's something that as a district we're working to improve on. The reading and the writing skills is something that we've seen diminish a little bit and so we're trying to build that back up and using a tool like Google Forms will help us do that in a fun engaging way for our, our students. Right and if the students know their work's going to be shared and the teacher after the students wrote the story um, shared the link to Google Forms so that other kids could go through the story and um, have a choice and sort of play through the story that they built that put a whole nother importance level on their writing and then it was uh, the ownership thing that you've talked about before. So Sherry talking about working smarter and not harder uh, if I'm listening to this and I love this idea of a choose your own but I'm not as comfortable with forms but maybe I'm more comfortable in a different G Suite tool slides is another way that students can own their work and also create those choose your own type stories uh, so don't think that this that one idea is limited to one G Suite tool or Google for Education or whatever the workspace, I don't know, whatever they're calling it now. Um, but you're not limited. So just because an idea might be shared through one tool, it could definitely be modified and used 
and several, if not all, of the other tools as well. Just kind of going back to the Google Forms, I know that I've seen teachers use them as the digital escape rooms, and Matt Miller has some that you can kind of make your own. Uh, There's 40 plus on his website that you're able to use and kind of incorporate in your classroom as well. And speaking of the ed tech guru, Matt Miller, and we mentioned his book earlier, another way to work smarter and not harder is to utilize what those gurus have out there. Jake Miller, Matt Miller, Eric Kurtz, Casey Bell, most if not all are free resources they willingly give you and want you to use in templates that are already created. So before you, you know, if you have this great idea, look around first at these ed tech people who are giving away templates for free and check to see if the template is already there. And then that way the work just got lightened for you. And speaking of, again, working smarter, not harder, you have resources right there in your school every day to utilize. And the DIS team is a resource. It is our job to stay on top of the current things that are going on. That's why we know about Jake Miller and Casey Bell and Matt Miller, and we know what they have. It's our job to do that. So please, 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 if you have a question or even if you are not sure, come and ask your DIS. We'll be more than happy to come in your classroom and co-teach with you, show you, model for you, all these things um, that we're talking about here today. I'm Tom Wilson, Anderson School District 5 Superintendent, and you're listening to iTalks. It's the podcast with illuminating conversations that empower the learners we serve. We are unique as a team because we do have a district perspective in our fearless leader, Anna Baldwin. So Anna, from the district perspective, what are some hints or tips that you might have to help some of those district people who might be listening to to work smarter and not as hard? One of the things that recently uh, came available with the Google Calendar is the meeting notes now that are available within a calendar event. So when you click on the calendar and make an event, and the description, you have the ability to click meeting notes now, and then everyone that's invited to that meeting, they have access to these notes that you can type up collaboratively as you're meeting. And then you don't have to go looking in your drive or in your email or on your desktop to try to find the notes. You can just go to Google Calendar, search for the meeting, and there you have the meeting notes. So it's everything in one place, it's organized, it's collaborative. I just think that's a great tool for administrators to have access to and to be able to keep up with the important information that you have that you deal with on a daily basis. And I can speak to using that because in our position, we're in different schools at different times, so we're not always able to meet face-to-face with teachers. And a teacher had asked my collaboration to show her students about the Sphero Bolt. And so I was trying to make sure I, I covered what she wanted to have covered to be prepared. And we did it all in, our, in those meeting notes that I sent out to her from the Google Calendar. And I just said, hey, if, whatever you add, add in a different color so I know that I can find it quickly. And we created an entire basically session that I was going to have with her kids all remotely. I didn't even have to meet with her. Everything was done in our time just going in and checking. So that was that was a really cool part of the addition to the Google Calendar is having that, those notes. Speaking from the previous podcast that Aaron mentioned earlier about teacher life balance and finding that balance, now kind of venturing outside of the Google workspace, one thing that Danessa Barr, principal of Renes Elementary, mentioned is that she's working with her leadership team 
to establish kind of a, a status quo that you don't send emails outside of work hours. But we all know sitting here at the table that we're working outside of work hours and we're constantly thinking. And when that idea spurts up, we need to make sure that we get it down and and get it ready to go. So inside of Outlook, since we do use Microsoft for our email purposes, there is the ability to send emails later, to go ahead and draft them and schedule them. You can set that email on Friday to send at 8 a.m. on Monday morning. And that's a great tip for administrators too, so that I think Danessa would agree in our last podcast. You don't want to bother your teachers over the weekend. Let them have their time as well, and it'll help you in the long run. We have Remind 101 where your classes are right there in Remind and you can send a group message to all of your students at once or you can choose who you're sending it to. Your parents' information is also in there. So remember that Remind 101 is another great communication tool as well. And those messages can also be scheduled. They can be scheduled as well, Adam. You are correct. (laughs) Some of the distances we've been working with a school on kind of ditching the copier, staying away from the copier. And at this point in the year, if your school's working on a tight budget, paper may be becoming a little bit limited, or it might be stuck on a boat somewhere due to COVID. But the whole idea is we want to ditch the copier and start using some of those digital resources uh, for more things. And one of the common misconceptions is that Nearpod has to be a presentation tool that it has to just be used to put up a interactive presentation with your students on their devices. However, it can be used for a single interactive. One of the ways that it can be done is a lot of kindergarten classes are doing matching activities. Type in a word, its definition, a word, its definition, and you have this created set of digital cards. But the best part is, A lot of the times when we do those matching activities, where is that accountability piece? Do we see that the students are making those matches? Not all the time. Teacher, I'm done. Well, where where are you getting your grade? Where are you getting your assessment, your feedback from? Nearpod is going to let you see just how many accurate matches they made and gives you that data so that you can provide some feedback to your instruction. Are there any other interactivities that you guys have experienced in Nearpod that would be good as a single-use activity? Uh, I created one so that fourth graders could independently utilize the ILL items, so our innovation learning lab items such as the BeeBot, the SphiroBolt, and the OzoBot. So the teachers had said, we want to utilize these, but as the teacher, we just don't have time to teach and train the kids and then to integrate it into our rotations. So I created a self-paced one through Nearpod that they were able to watch a tutorial video that introed the bot. Then they were able to see the different expectations that they had for that activity And then they were able to carry out the activity all independently because I did it through Nearpod and I did it with the student pacing. As the teacher, they can go back or I can also go back and look at the reports. If I had anything like a discussion board, how do you think this tool could be utilized some more within your classroom, you know, ideas, I can go back and look at those. And again, it's what Adam was talking about with that accountability piece. The the kids don't realize you're gaining that data but you really are, and it's fun for them because there are so many different types of activities that Nearpod allows you to do that maybe some of these other features that we have don't necessarily allow that interactive piece. And one of the things too, Erin, that I love hearing you talk about is going back and looking at things. Later, um, I had a teacher that I was working and coaching, and her issue, the biggest issue that through through the gripe jam that she found was that she couldn't get through instruction and I was we, we really navigated that time and 
talked about why and kept asking why, 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 why can't you get through it? And it was more so because students in her class were very talkative. Now, sometimes there is active discourse that goes on in a classroom, but sometimes it's distracting discourse. And so one of the features in Nearpod that I helped her utilize was the Collaborate Board inside of Nearpod as almost a back channel chat. And so the students were able to post their questions on or off topic to this back channel chat. Then she was able to moderate that in the Collaborate Board and get to those questions now or go back and answer them later. So again, just another feature inside of Nearpod that you can use kind of as a single use rather than this big fancy presentation that um, Nearpod kind of gets the reputation for being. Whenever you're in any of the googly items, there's that right paneled sidebar and it actually allows you to stay in the Google item that you're in. So let's say I'm in a slide. I can stay in my slide, but maybe I took notes in my keep. So I can just click the keep button right there on the side and it pops up my keep notes while I'm still in the slide. And this happens with any Google item that they have. So if you're in your Google calendar, you could also pop up your keep. You can pop up the tasks, you could pop up your contacts. And it has these different, um, I guess they're like quick links that'll pop up beside you. Your calendar will even pop up right there. So if you're talking and all of a sudden you remember, ooh, I need to do this, instead of switching tabs, because I don't know if many listeners are like me, but when I switch a tab, my brain also switches and I forget what I was doing previously and it might take me forever to get back to it. So it ruins, it ruins that workflow. So having that right there in the side panel is very quick. Oh yeah, I gotta do this, boom, done. And I can continue because my, my focus did not have to shift too much. And what's also cool is that they have the feature now where you can add add-ons to that little area. So those add-ons that you use a lot you can just pull them up right from there and integrate them into what you're using. So that side panel is a great shortcut to be able to work smarter and not harder. And in our show resources, we're also going to list some keyboard shortcuts that you might can use as well to make your work inside of the Google Workspace and just on your computer more efficient because who knows when you might accidentally close out all those tabs and need Control-Shift-T or maybe you're working and you need to bookmark all those tabs for a later session and you're using Control-Shift-D, but a whole list of those as well as other ideas that the DIS team has will be listed in our show resources. A lot of us are all the time as teachers looking for ways to choose students or we're looking for a quick timer to embed or even coin flips or dice rolls now inside of a Google search. You mean all those tools that we loved in smart that we no longer have access to? Exactly are available inside of Google and it's just as easy as going into Google and searching dice or coin flip and the search instant search cards will populate and you can project them right onto your board to quickly draw student names or flip a coin to make a quick decision in the classroom. The way that COVID feels like it has changed our environment so much, we feel like there needs to be a lot of big changes in education. And yes, that may be the case because we are working in a system that's been the same for a century, but what can the teacher control? What's in their circle of control? And these subtle shifts are going to be one element that drives that change in education. This concludes another great episode of iTalks produced by the Anderson School District 5 Digital Integration Specialist. Want to learn more? 
Check out the show notes and resources on bit.ly forward slash A5 italks. Thank you.